from Chicago, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Raj Nation, founder and chief pitch artist at Startup Hype Man, where we help startups, scale-ups, and grown-ups not suck at how they pitch themselves so they stand out to their audience and stand apart from the competition. This podcast is all about bringing you the hearts, the minds, and the stories of leaders in the startup ecosystem talking through the strategies they have deployed in order to build and grow their companies. And it's officially season 17 of the show, and all season long we've got a special treat for you, bringing you guests exclusively from the Startup Hype Man client portfolio, giving you a piece of their journey. Before we begin, if you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And remember, you can catch all the episodes from our 17 season archive and learn how to pitch your startup at StartupHypeMan.com. All right, get your popcorn ready and get hyped because it's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from San Francisco, California. He is the co-founder and COO of Blueboard. Please welcome Kevin. Sorry, I just had to. I feel like I had to do that just to. Accentuate you had to flex awesome on him. You had to flex intro. on him. I love it. <laughs> he is Kevin Yip co-founder and COO of Blueboard, as I mentioned, and all this season on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are welcoming as our guests different uh, clients who have come through our portfolio as customers at Startup Hype Man. This is season 17, episode seven, and Blueboard is just one of my favorite companies that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Awesome culture, awesome people. Um, They have really grown over the last few years, having raised $16 million and growing to 200 plus employees, as well as getting their revenue up to to about $50 million of annual revenue. It's been awesome to see the growth. And I think the fact that those are some of the numbers out of the gate uh, help put some context around our conversation today because it's, it's been a journey to get there. And that's why our topic today is going from no brand to known brand. Kevin, once again, welcome. Why is this on your mind? Why is this important to you? You know, I think a company is a, is a brand and a product that never stops unfolding. You're always discovering nuances about who you are, what you want to deliver, the value you kind of ha- you know, have for your customers. And so I think it's, 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 you know, part of entrepreneurship is building an amazing brand, a like kind of longstanding brand. And, um, and, you know, it's always on my mind. I'm always thinking about it and it's kind of been on since day one, so to speak. So I think it's really important. We're going to dive a whole lot more into Blueboard's path in, in brand growth before we get there. Let's learn a little bit more about Kevin himself. Now, Kevin, I've known you for like what, like three years now, I think, and I never knew that you were co-owner, or maybe are still co-owner, of a Japanese restaurant. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a friend and I, um, a little bit before I started Blueboard, uh, opened up a Japanese curry bar, and we're both just we just love Japanese curry just it's a passion um and we thought hey like there are not enough japanese curry restaurants in san francisco which is odd right there was one 
major player and they were a lunch spot and we're like hey let's open like more of a late night dinner spot we'll do about half of our our uh, meals take out uh half in and uh let's just find a, a small cool place and make a really great curry and that was awesome uh you know we ended that for you know we we're doing that for about three four years we ended up shutting it down because because Blueboard was actually growing, couldn't couldn't work the restaurant anymore, and uh, my buddy, uh, you know, was going another direction, was having a family and and had some other things going on. Um, but serving bowls of Japanese curry, I was uh, pre- prepping, pounding the chicken katsu. You know, it took about two and a half days to make the curry from scratch. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Um, I think that's where I learned like. I had, I still, I got a lot of fulfillment out of that just because you get to see like people enjoy the meal and thank you. And you're like, oh, like that's like a, it's a moment in their day. And so I really, I realized that, you know, that was very fulfilling for me. What do you think running a restaurant taught you about running a tech company? Ooh, first off, you're, you're never above any of the work. Right. Mm. And so, um, you know, maybe you're the, you know, the co-founder of some big company, but you can, you know, or the owner of this restaurant, but if the floors are dirty, you got to clean them. Right. And so I would be, you know, know, literally on all fours, scrubbing the brass, like, um, you know, foot pedals and things like that. And um, that's part of the grind. Right. I think, you know, when, when I was running that restaurant, I think also connecting with kind of the, you know, just the regulars. We had a lot of regulars kind of come in. It was like a neighborhood kind of a little bit above the tenderloin, kind of like tender knob area. Mm-hmm. And um, just connecting with them, getting to know them. And uh, they, you know, when I connected with somebody, they would come in more, right? They felt like an affinity to the, you know, to the restaurant, to the establishment, to the food. Um, because there was a relationship with, with myself. And so you kind of saw this like loyalty kind of build and grow from, you know, simple conversations, getting to know folks. Um, I think the last thing is when I was, when I was running the restaurant, I was also starting Blueboard. So it was, you know, working, you know, working on the company Blueboard from like, you know, 8.30 to 5. I'd open up the restaurant at 5.30. And, you know, close it down at 11. And um, it's a hell of a schedule. <laughs> that was a, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a grind. Um, it needed to be done, uh, but it also took a huge toll on me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was super burnt out by the time the restaurant shut down. Um, and just, you know, not super, like my mental health wasn't, wasn't great. And I think, you know, early on, I got a sense of like, okay, like, if you're running on E, you can only do it so long. And, and there's some big costs to doing that, right? Is, you know, it takes you and zaps you of the energy that you need to honestly build a company, right? To kind of put your heart and soul into, into, into building, a, building a startup. And so I've been really kind of cued into kind of my energy levels, my mental health, like, you know, the energy in my tank, so to speak, since that time. Yeah. On that note, what are some personal wellness or mental health um, practices that you try to incorporate into your routine? You know, for me, 
what I've realized is, you know, there's a few things really important to me. I need to, I need and want to spend time with people close to my life, family, friends, and make time for that. Um, eating healthy uh, and exercise and sleeping well. I mean, it's, it's, it's simple, but in the grind of things, it could become very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I think I've just gotten better at making time, whether it's, you know, putting blocks on my calendar to work out, you know, meal prepping, you know, on Sundays to eat healthy, um, having like my, my, you know, hosting a dinner with my folks while I'm working, but we're maybe watching football. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we have like kind of lunch and dinner together. So we're just spending a lot of time together. So I feel like I can work a little bit while they're there. Um, you know, little stuff like this that like kind of gives me energy, gives me joy. Um, just makes time for it. Yeah. Well, and I think that comes back to one of the other things you said you learned at the restaurant was that importance of connection, which I'm clearly seeing is a consistent theme, not just with the restaurant, but in your personal and professional life. So perhaps that's a good um, jump off point to, you know, maybe you could just explain how did Blueboard get started? And, uh, I, you know, I didn't in the introduction explain what Blueboard actually does. So perhaps, you know, talk about how Blueboard got started. And for anyone who's not familiar, what is Blueboard? Yeah, yeah. So Blueboard is an experiential rewards recognition and incentive company. And so when great people at a company do great work, hit their 10-year anniversary, close the biggest deal in company history, um, they often get cash, get maybe an Amex gift card like myself. Um, they might get a big screen TV, some swag, or they might get nothing, right? And so we think um, a really impactful reward for great work and achievement is a personal experience. So them taking their kids to their first uh, baseball game, you know, learning to surf in Hawaii, uh, going skydiving for the first time, memories and experiences uh, that they'll remember. And, um, and so that's kind of uh, our product and kind of our mission is to help people get out and about in the world for great work. Um, how we started interestingly, uh, was, um, I was living with, with a buddy of mine who I've known since third grade, we started the company together and we'd be coming home in our first, you know, corporate jobs kind of in our early twenties. And it would just be this rot routine, right? We'd be watching sports center, enter some Bay area sports team. And mm-hmm. at the end of the night, one of these days it was like probably the you know 10th day in the row that it felt like that I, I was doing this. And I was like, it took about a year and I kind of vented. It took about a year for us to become the most boring freaking people. Like we've been literally <laughs> drinking the same beer, watching the same TV show, the same sports team. Like what's going on? And I was like, what happened? And I was like, kind of like what happened to when we were learning languages or making music? Um, you know, even simple things like playing sports. Um, we'd be kind of observers of life almost, if you will. And so uh, that was like just lamenting by me. And at the end of it, at the end of it, we uh, took a pact between roommates and we're like, Hey, what's one thing we've been wanting to do, but we haven't made time for. And from, for, from every week for the next three months, we will do that activity. So for me, that was Krav Maga. Um, you know, I've always wanted to try it. My other buddy, my co-founder uh, did singing lessons. And every week we were just looking forward to that activity. We're building this new, like uh, kind of this new skill and like 
you know, kind of like this, you know, beginner mindset in, in, in learning something new, um, adding this new wrinkle to our character. And, and at the end of the three months, you know, we realized and talked about it. We're like, wow, such a simple commitment had like this outsized impact on our happiness. And that was really inspiring. And we were like, let's start a company to help people get on experiences. No product idea, no engineers. Um, you know, it took us about... <laughs> Took us about two years, but what we ended up coming to was, um, you know, building this kind of rewards uh, and recognition product, uh, you know, that we're at today. Which is all about the the point of experiences over things and how you choose to recognize and reward employees. So let's use that as sort of our, at least our understanding for learning about the Blueboard brand. And again, our topic today is going from no brand to known brand. So I think the best way we can dive into this is how do you, Kevin, just define brand at, at a base level? Yeah. Um, really simply, like I see brand as like a promise you deliver to your customers. And when you have no brand, you're small, you have no customers. <laughs> and uh, it's, it, is about, it is about kind of finding the, those customers that are going to bet on you, right? Really deliver something of value and then bring that story out of them and telling that to the rest of the market. Um, and so, yeah, brand is for me a promise, you know, you deliver to your customers. Well, and I think Blueboard is such a classic startup case like a tech startup case of the product that you're bringing to market requires education, right? Like you're mm -hmm. introducing a different way of doing things as opposed to, you know, for example, if you were to start a web design company, it's not like the concept of web design is necessarily a new concept to your market uh, unless you've got some, you know, crazy way of doing it that's different. Um, but you're going into a market where the status quo, the standard is, Companies reward their employees with either cash, gift cards, or a catalog of things they can choose from, like a blender or, you know, like my, mm -hmm. my wife's 10-year anniversary gift uh, at her hospital was a keychain for 10 years, <laughs> a keychain. Um, yeah. Right. So uh, there, you, you, you are trying to educate the market on a different way of doing things. While at the same time, no one knows who you are, you don't have cachet, you don't have brand equity, right? And these are important things that you need to be able to influence another, another party. So how would you define like that first phase of Blueboard where it's like education plus who the hell are we and trying to get the market to understand that? Yeah, I think this is like a really, it's, it's a tough stage in a, in a startup journey because it's, you need to be, I don't know about if ruthless is the right word, but you need to like really tell people the story and almost do it at all cost, right? And it's it's educating people on why you exist, um, the value you bring, even though you may not have any customers, right? That might be just the insight you have. That might be the founding story. But you also, at the same time of kind of like having that evangelical sale, you need to really listen, right? Um, you need to really understand your customer and what problem they're solving and how they think about the decision and who else do they loop in into that process, right? How they budget for it, when they budget for it. And so it's a mix of like almost shouting from the rooftop and like 
listening at the ground level. Um, and that kind of iteration and call it, you know, movement to all it, call it like early brand story market fit is, is super important is that kind of that mix of kind of uh, evangelism plus like close listening and observation. Yeah. I really like how you said shout it from the rooftops, but listen at ground level. And then I also really love that term of, of uh, story market fit, which I think is, is a great reframing of the whole situation. Not so much product market, but is the story that connecting with them. So mm-hmm. on that note of in that phase of story market fit, what did customer acquisition look like when you were in that stage of story market fit? So I, I, I didn't tell our kind of cur- our current products founding story but it was telling that story. And so for me and my co-founder, we had been working on projects, you know, 80, 90, hundred hour weeks and, you know, doing it for a long time, you know, 10, 12, 15 weeks. And by the end of it, both of us were, you know, 15, 20 pounds heavier. Like we're anxious. We're, you know, we're, we're eating unhealthy. We had to have been we're working at like an investment well. bank or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're both like, he was in consulting. I was in, I was working at PwC and um, in finance. And, uh, and I remember my manager coming up to me and she's like, Kevin, amazing job. Like I had, a, I had two other associates quit much smarter than me uh, before this project and uh, had to get both of their work done. And so, you know, she came up to me, thanked me and put down this Amex gift card on the table. And like slid it over to me. And for me, when I got that, rather than feeling appreciated and valued and motivated to work hard on the next project, it felt impersonal. I felt undervalued and I was demotivated to work hard on the next project. And, um, you know, the, the idea was like, oh, imagine if my manager had come up to me and said, hey, Kevin, amazing job. I know you love boxing. You know, got you this boxing membership for the next three months. The gym around the corner. Yeah. Well, because I know like, you, yeah. If, if I'm if I'm hearing that right, you're working at PwC as an associate. I mean, even though it was fresh out of college or first couple years out of college, like your salary there is pretty good. So an extra, I don't know, 50, 75 bucks is probably you know whatever that gift card was. Maybe it was like two hundred bucks. I don't know. You're probably like, I mean, that's fine, but it's not like. I was strapped for cash to begin with, right? I have to imagine that was your mindset as part of that. Yeah, it's not material. It's not life-changing. And you end up using it on, honestly, stuff and crap you don't remember, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so the experience was, you know, it, it, it was like, okay, like saying thank you to a top employee should be a connection. We're getting to a connection, right? Yeah. It should build your relationship with the company, with the manager, but giving, you know, this gift card, giving like this thing, it feels transactional. It feels impersonal. It doesn't connect with that employee. And so we would tell this story and we literally went door to door. Every single startup in San Francisco that had raised more than $10 million, we walked into. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out of Dropbox, which was hilarious. That was another uh-huh. story on the side. But we would tell, the, you know, we would tell this story, you know, to the office manager, to the receptionist at the front desk. And through it all, we got really good at telling this story and figuring out, okay, like just because, you know, the person at the front desk likes it doesn't mean it's going to, you know, they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, intro us to the VP of HR. And we got a few meetings. <laughs> Conversion was low, but it, at this stage, you know, all you need is a few wins. Mm-hmm. 
And um, we happened at a VP of talent at a company called Bungle, hot ad tech startup, was waiting for an interview. And he said, oh, that's really cool. You know, I got an interview right now, but let's meet um, after this because I've been thinking about how to reward and incentivize our team. And Vungle became our first customer, April 2014. They're still a customer today. And, you know, that starts your brand because now you have a customer and now you, you have a promise you need to deliver to them. And then we took Vungle. We made them really happy. We figured out what we were doing well. We started telling, hey, Vungle, really hot startup, you know, growing very quickly, uses us to reward employees, you know, in a meaningful way because they just don't have time to do it, right? And so that was our first evolution of, okay, our, our story and our value and, you know, so on and so forth um, as we, you know, got new customers and learned more about what we could do. So it grows from your personal story pre-product to now here's the story of the product in action. Yeah, it, yeah, I kind of, yeah, we, we tacked on the product in action and the value. Yeah. And, and now we have, you know, I'm not even in sales. Uh, I don't even do sales as much, which is kind of a sad thing to say. But <laughs> now it's now it's you know it centers around, um, you know the mission of the company, which is you know kind of parallel to the story, but you know doesn't include obviously my personal story. And then you know really talking about the value of our product and mm-hmm. uh, and our offering and what problems we're trying to solve and what are they trying to unlock in their employees and the culture they're trying to have. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it has evolved quite a bit, uh, you know, since, uh, since those, uh, early kind of no brand days, so to speak. Yeah. Now I, I got to ask, cause you mentioned it, you said you got, you just catch, you mentioned it. You said we got kicked out of Dropbox. Can you please share that story? <laughs> yeah. So being the, and I, and I, and I'll fully admit, like when we started this company, I was a complete amateur. Like I literally knew nothing. And um, <laughs> one of the things I didn't know was like, I remember, I remember his name is like Kevin Egan or something. He's a VP of sales at Dropbox. And I was like, oh yeah, we have a meeting with him at three. Um, you know, uh, we're talking about sales incentives and uh, the, uh, the, the receptionist and Dropbox is this hot company at the time. They're like, clicked on his calendar and they were like, yeah, you're, you're not on here. Um and they're like, no, no, I think I am. And they're like, then they turn around the monitor and they're like, no, I'm looking at his calendar right now and you're not on it. <laughs> and he's like, so what's up? And we're like, huh, that must be a mistake. And so we just like, honestly, we're like kind of had no idea what to do. And then they called security and like escorted us out during lunchtime. Uh. And so I, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't know that, you know, you could look at the calendar or like at it, like, you know, they had like probably like, you know, several hundred employees at like, that the person would anyways. So we got kicked <laughs> out. It was embarrassing. That's kind of, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love like the hustle and the zeal and just like the, the almost like the blind faith that like, yeah, we're like, we're going to walk in and, and it's going to work. And if it doesn't, well, whatever, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Totally. I think there's a it's lot, not the end of the lot world. behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to transition now to talk more about kind of like the growth phase of Blueboard. But before I do that, mm. I just want to talk to our listeners for a moment, especially as, as, as our listeners, as you think about growth yourselves, a big part of that is kind of understanding your lead flow and, and, and knowing what's happening on your website. Specifically, what are you tracking on your website? Are you using Google Analytics? If you are, are you in love with it? 
Probably not, because when it comes to using GA, understanding where and why you lose site visitors before they convert is just really hard. Um, there's always some integration issue, or you got to sort through a mountain of data just to figure out what's causing your leads to drop off. And that's kind of a nightmare. That's why I was excited to learn of a better way to measure website analytics. And that's where Oribi comes into play. Oribi is a unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website without any code. Oribi enables you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and get tons of insights so you always know what your next step is going to be. And that means finally understanding your visitors and knowing what to change in order to convert more which means finally no more blind spots. Now I'm excited to have Oribi as a partner of the show. You can get your free trial today at oribi.io slash today. That's O-R-I-B-I.io slash today. And as a partner of the show, you can use the coupon code HYPEMAN for 20% off any plan. Oribi.io slash today. Use the coupon code HYPEMAN, all one word, for 20% off any plan. Today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are with Kevin Yip, the co-founder and COO of Blueboard, talking about going from no brand to known brand. Now, before the break, Kevin, we were kind of talking about the early days of Blueboard, getting off the ground, getting that first customer and how the brand really starts to build from there. So then as you enter that growth phase, can you kind of explain how do things shift, right? You mentioned how now there's a story around how someone else is using your product, but then how do you, how do you start to scale that story? And, you know, I think the first thing is, 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 is being dialed in to the customer and the value you're providing, right? And that should, that should be the foundation of your story, right? And you should use your customers as salespeople, right? As marketers, right? Bring them along, connect with them build relationships, right? That's how you really kind of get into getting to really know like how they're using it, when they're using it, like what's the feedback from, from the employees that receive these experiences, right? Like, is it easy to use? Um, is it known by the, the CEO down to like kind of the, you know, the remote offices. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you do that at an early stage by being, you know, building relationships with your customers. Um, and from there, like, you know, I feel like using those customers to market you, to tell the story and making simple asks, right? As you built it is like, you know, straight last, straight sales ask, right? Hey, do you know, you know, a few HR folks that you can introduce me to, right? Where, you know, it seems like you're getting a lot of value out of this and we're kind of at the early stage. We would love to talk to more people. If you've built that relationship, if there's value being delivered, every single one of those will introduce you to, the couple people you ask and probably more if they know more. Right. And so we, we made those asks and we were lucky enough to get those kind of introductions. And that's, you know, that is, you know, on top of kind of your, you know, we were also doing outbound. We were also continuing to go into, you know, getting kicked out of, uh, you know, you know, front offices and and lobbies uh, and doing that. But like this piece was like where you kind of, get really close with your customer, get to know them, have them talk about you, you know, build like, you know, get your first customer, build a case study. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, right. I, I just, and, um, uh, you know, and that, uh, that played out, we've had, you know, to, to date, we've had probably, I, I don't even know how many count, but like, as people move jobs, you build relationships with them, right. They're moving up in their career. And a lot of them have taken Blueboard with them. You know, we've had, uh, 
we've, you know, we launched in 2014. So it's been, you know, quite a while now, but we've had people take us to, you know, two companies, three companies and implement us. Right. And so that those are just been awesome folks. Um, and uh, just super, super huge advocates of us. And so like when others, right, start telling your story, particularly your customers, that's how it starts getting traction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've told the story. Um, you've, do, you know, you've told the story of your insight and founding. You've promised, you know, you know, there's a certain value that you're going to deliver to a, a customer. And then they tell that, they're, you know, they're telling, hey, this company, you know, my employees are stoked, right? When they hit their anniversaries, it's super easy. And, um, you know, it's great if you're thinking about, you know, how does, how do you improve culture in order to like motivate it and, and keep your, and keep your top people, right? Boom. You know, you're stuck in this company. And like now they, now, now they make it their story, right? Becomes like, oh, this cool program that they've implemented. It becomes part of their personal and professional brand. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's just been absolutely huge for us kind of in the early days and still today. So a lot of like intentional word of mouth, not by accident, but almost like by design. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it it can happen intentionally, but it's going to happen much slower. Right. Um, You know, people are doing it. You're saying it can happen by accident, but slower. It can can happen by by accident, um, but it'll just be much slower. And I think, uh, you know, you'll be surprised that, you know, if you're delivering value, if you have a good relationship with your early customers, they're going to be up there, like kind of shouting from the rooftops as well. You know, mm-hmm. if you ask them. Now, aside from word of mouth, one of the things I've observed in, in Blueboards, not just go to market, but sustaining in the market and growing within the market is a, a pretty big, you know, I think you guys have grown a pretty big like online presence. Um, mm. and, and I feel like very often I am seeing notifications of Blueboards at this conference or Blueboard is running this webinar. Can you talk through how you start to like figure out, you know, what, what is the, what are the levers that we're going to pull and and start like building up some equity in the market aside from the individual sales conversations that we're having on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So I think, right. Jumping off from being close to your, to your customer, right. We realized that we did really well in in, uh, in companies and in HR teams that wanted to be, you know, progressive, that were really focused on culture, that talent was a top priority. And we knew that from being close to them as well as that, like, they're community driven, right? Um, they hung out in professional kind of communities, uh, associations, right? And so that's how they kind of were able to connect about how to solve kind of problems, Right. It was a community, it was a very community-driven uh, profession. And so we started talking and, and being like, hey, like who else is trying to sell to the progressive HR community? Who's bigger than us? Who's, you know, not telling the same story, but, you know, a similar story about improving culture and caring about your people. And, um, and we found that there were, you know, a, go- a good amount of like later stage startups uh, that had cool products in, in, in different spaces than us. You know, we we looked at Culture Amp, which is now you know a, a unicorn. Fifteen Five, uh, Lattice, um, namely some of these names, right? And uh, what we did was like we kind of looked at their go to market, 
and realize, you know, they were doing a lot of, you know, kind of what you, what you talked about, um, digital events, webinars, et cetera. And this is probably like circa, you know, 2017, right. And they had, you know, it seemed like, you know, they had good content and they had a good community and good mailing list that we wanted to be a part of. And so for every partner early on, we came up with a couple ideas on what would they want to be a part of um, topic-wise uh, and let's, uh, let us propose the idea and we'll do all the work. We'll bring the customer, right? They can bring somebody if they want to. And all they have to do is, um, is shoot it to their mailing list, right? Mm. And so we, we did that for every single you know, customer and they're startups too, right? They're trying to come up with ideas, right? They're trying to build kind of their reach. And we made it literally, hey, just put an email together, send it through, and we'll do everything else. And some of them got more engaged than obviously that, but we made it that simple. And so that's, you know, we did, you know, those, you know, more, we still do webinars with those people, with those companies, but that, you know, shot up our kind of reach, you know, in our database from, you know, you know, probably a, a couple of thousand to now we're, you know, in the, you know, probably nearing 150, 200,000 on the mailing list. And so that, that's huge. That's I mean, 200,000 yeah. people on a mailing list is huge. Yeah. And so the, uh, that, uh, that motion early on of like, okay, like who else, you know, bigger than us that is selling to a sim to, to the same buyer as us. And like, let's, uh, let's work with them. Let's kind of, you know, let's build relationships and, and connect with them, offer them value. And then in return, you know, we can get some, you know, some awareness uh, that people kind of know what Blueboard is and, you know, what we stand for. And so that, that was very helpful. Yeah. From personal experience, uh, probably the top thing that grew Startup Hype Man over the last year was a very similar approach, which is doing a, like showing up in a lot of places online uh, with, with other partners, right? With other companies and do, and running these like partner webinars or partner workshops. And it, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I had uh, a guest on the show by the name of Sean Amirati. He's a venture capitalist. And he also authored this book um, called The Science of Growth, which looked at um, really like it, it studied uh, pairs of companies who were doing nearly identical things in nearly identical markets and saying, okay, well, what, what led one company to scale and the other one to stall out? Um, so mm -hmm. it looked at like, you know, we all know YouTube, but there was another company at the time called Rever and no one's ever heard of Rever. We know Tesla, there was another company called Fisker and no one really ever remembers Fisker. Uh, and there was WordPress and then there was another one. So anyways, they looked at like six to eight different pairs of companies and, and, and then they boiled it down to like five or six specific principles that are behind what they call the science of growth. And one of those um, principles was the ability to, they called it draft off of other people's platforms. And that's what I think this, this model is here is right. You're able to draft mm -hmm. off of the, off of the success of someone else, not in like a insidious or like, like uh, devious way, but in a, in a way that benefits the both of you, because I think yeah. for the partner, right. Um, let's say you partner with, uh, you know, an HR conference or you partner with a lattice or something like that. They're getting, they're building up their brand equity by bringing something new to their audience around whatever the topic you're going to talk about is. 
And on your side, right, you're getting potential, like, like you're both getting potential leads. You're both getting, um, you're both building up your brand in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that was, that was a huge, yeah, that was, that's been a huge kind of lever. Um, Within that, growth, actually, though, can you talk through like, because I've got a very specific approach when I'm doing Startup Hype Man webinar workshop content, and I, I want to hear your kind of reaction to this. I, I think the key, and I believe Blueboard's going about it this way as well, because I see a lot of companies get this wrong, is they turn the webinar into a product pitch. Like, like it's like a 30-minute product pitch. Like no, the webinar has yeah, got to are... like educate the market on something, right? Oh, 100%. You know, we maybe have done a couple, call it webinars, where there are more product rollouts, but we're very upfront about that. Mm-hmm. And the people that sign up, you know, are wanting to learn more about the product. The, you know, the types of webinars that, you know, I'm talking about are, you know, thought leadership and educational by nature, right? How are we getting a customer to share their insight on, um, it might not even be related to Blueboard, but it just might be related to, you know, target, you know, you know, identifying high potential talent within your organization and creating an elevated employee experience to make sure that they have the career development and growth to stay at your company. As an instance, we've done something like that, right? It, you know, there's obviously a lot of tangents, you know, and how it relates to Blueboard indirectly. But maybe, you know, we probably talked about Blueboard in the beginning of, oh yeah, I'm the co-founder of Blueboard. This is what we do. Okay, cool. Let's focus on this topic that our buyers really care about, right? And that other companies really care about and can make a difference for their organization. And um, you know, I think you know, I remember us talking is. Um, how do you choose, you know, within your brand and what you know and what you have unique insight to, what are your kind of like spheres of influence or topics of influence that you focus on in driving the conversation? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how do, you know, attract, motivate and keep your top talent? That is definitely a sphere of influence that like in the topic of influence that we focus on. Yeah. I've got a few more questions I want to get through before we hit our wrap up. Um, one of them is, was there a moment where you were like, wait a sec, like you looked around and you were like, hang on, people, people know us now. Like we're not a nobody anymore. Do you, re- do you recall, was there like a moment in time or like a series of events where that, where that realization occurred? You know, I would say where there's been a couple of times um, going into, you know, we um, Procter Gamble as a customer and, and, you know, we, and I ended up flying out to to Boston to their grooming division to, to, to pitch and and close that deal. Uh, Abbott, Abbott labs, you know, similarly. And, And these are the type of companies that like, you know, these are kind of, you know, among the best known brands in the world, you know, worldwide organizations. (laughs) And, um, it was a, it wasn't, it was less of like a, Oh, people know us, but I was like, Oh, wow. Like we have a real opportunity to deliver this, um, at a large scale because a company like Procter and Gamble sees the value in Blueboard and wants to roll this out 
mm-hmm. to their to their organization. And it 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 was, you know, that's kind of you know those are kind of the marquee customers and clients that kind of like they almost they almost like unlock like a new market and they kind of internally give you the confidence that you as a startup are like, Oh, like they want us. Right. And so I feel like there's like these kind of unlocks where like they can become marquee clients, but then also like they give the startup the confidence to be like, yeah, we can, you know, we can deliver to, you know, a company like Procter and Gamble. And so like, I think, I think those have been like, you know, phases of like, uh, this is like a really cool customer and we have like this opportunity to deliver something like pretty meaningful to like a, yeah, just an awesome organization. One of the things that struck me about Blueboard right when we first started working together a few years ago was uh, how committed you and the entire company was to your point of view around experiences, not things. That's the way to recognize and reward people. How, you know, when you walk into a Procter & Gamble, when you walk into an Abbott, how important is it to commit to your point of view? And, and I, I, is there wiggle room on it? Do you waver? Do you, do you tuck it under the table and not talk about it because it's a bigger player? Like talk, talk to us about uh, mm. the point of view and, and how, you, how you leverage that and, and, and how important it might, it might actually be. Yeah. One, it's, it's super important to be who you are, right? Because ultimately, if you try to change yourself, Right, you're gonna eventually spread yourself too thin. You're not gonna be able to scale. Um, yeah, and so like, it, you need to be you need to be who you are. And you know, for us, going back to my our founding story, right? We started as an experience company, right? We didn't start as a rewards and recognition company. We started as an experience company. We saw the value that our you know myself and my our roommates had from doing something once a week for three months. And we, you know, that was enough for us to have this energy and zeitgeist to like start a company. Um, and so that is our mission, right? We, you know, we've been, you know, on that mission since day one to get more people out and about on experiences. And I don't ever see that changing. You know, I think, um, you know, there's this vision framework on how to think about a vision. There's, there's things in a company that should never change, that are, should be sacred to the company. Those are mission. That's your mission. Those are your values, right? They may evolve, but like they stay at the core the same. And then how you, how the product builds, the product vision, how you get there should always be changing because you're, you're always, you know, hopefully progressing. You know, sometimes you regress, right? And you're at different spots and you need to think about things differently in order to like bring this mission to life. Um, and so the mission and the values of the company should never change. And, um, I get excited, you know, and, and I use this, I use this a lot for companies is I know a company will be a great customer if their mission and their values align with ours. Right. Right. And so for example, Abbott and, um, you know, when I went in, you know, their mission and kind of their branding is, you know, live life to the fullest, right. They help, you know, they help, you know, they help people, you know, be healthy so that they can live life, right? And Blueboard is, you know, it's on the it's on the other side of that of that kind of spectrum of like, you know, now that you're healthy and living life, like, what are your passions, right? What do you want to do? Something new, like, who do you want to spend quality time with? And you know, 
I basically, at the end of the pitch, I was like, hey, Blue Board and Abbott, we're kindred companies. We're moving in the same direction, trying to deliver like great lives to people. Um, you know, on your side, keeping them healthy on our side, delivering experiences. Let's, you know, live out this promise and deliver, you know, deliver that promise to your employees as well. And they really bought onto that. Um, and so when you get into these big organizations, you know, you're there for a reason, right? Um, because of who you are, like double down, triple down, 10, you know, 10, you know, you know, be, be that because that's, that's going to what that, that resonance and that, that kind of hook you have kind of with your customer and like kind of their emotion, like it's because of who you are and just, you know, continue to do that. Um, anyways, that's where, um, the, I got one more question, then we'll hit our wrap up. And, and it's continuing on that, that, that note of committing to the point of view. And, and I want to, I want to have some, this whole thing has been real talk, but I really want to get into some real talk on that because the reality is, you know, a couple of years ago, Blueboard was tested, right? March 14th or whatever it was, 2020. Everything shuts down and the ability to even experience an experience is taken off the table by something you have no control over. And that was a moment where I have to imagine you had this dialogue internally around like, well, do we start maybe offering gift cards to things as part of our product offering or do we commit to experiences? Like, I think that's like, that was probably a big reckoning of identity and point of view. Can you t- explain what that was like and, and what decisions did you come to in, in those moments? Yeah, I was stressful. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, you know, there's a little bit of chaos that you like and, and, and not in, in the, Hey, like it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's the two minute warning and you're down by seven, right. Or six. Um, you know, it's, it's the last, you know, the last, you know, possession of a basketball game and you, you, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to be up by 30. Right. But when you're in that station, it's kind of what you train for. It's kind of what you live for. Right. And, um, you know, for us, um, it was, it was once again, like, okay, who are we? Right. Even though people can't get out and about in the world, like, they are wanting to more than ever. Right. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, kind of stuck here at home, you know, and I'm sure many people were during shelter in place. It's like, you were like, you know, yearning for connection for, you know, doing things outside. And so like what we did, we very quickly launched in-home experiences where you could, it might be, Hey, build a lab, you know, with your kid at home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, you know, we had like virtual language, you know, we, you know, ship, you know, instruments from guitar center and then have like virtual, like drum and like guitar lessons. Um, you know, another one was we would do, you know, an astronomy class, uh, paired with getting a telescope. We would do like a, a plant and botany class paired with a, a greenhouse. And so we got creative, um, with it you know, and things that like we didn't really offer before, but people loved it. Right. And people couldn't do anything else and people got a lot of value from it. Um, and so that's kind of like where we kind of focused is kind of like kind of this in home of like, you know, you could still spend quality time. You could still 
do some things you love, try things new in your home. We just got to think about it a little differently. And I think that's so, um, I just don't want anyone listening to like overlook the importance of what Kevin just said, which is like, because, you know, brand has to have a point of view behind it. And I think it's really almost, I could argue it's easy to maintain your point of view when things are going great. It's really difficult to stay committed to that when unknown things happen or when things aren't going well. But I think that's the point of knowing your identity and knowing your brand and, and you stay committed when like you're committed to the extent that you just find ways to make like, you know, like before that, I'm sure you were never thinking of, well, let's have an experience, be an income science experiment with your kids. But because experiences over things is the commitment of the point of view, therefore the commitment of the brand, you say, all right, what's any possible way an experience can come to life, even if someone can't even leave their house? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, uh, allows the brand to prevail and not be, not bend to the whim of market fluctuations you don't have control over. And then become just like everyone else, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you know, in those times of like hardship, it's that's where like that's where you know your 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 mission, your values get tested, right? And like, do you do you deviate from your brand, from your values and mission, or do you know do you lean on those to make decisions? And, and you know, for us, luckily, we 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 definitely leaned on them, uh, and it, it served us really well. Let's begin our wrap up now. Uh, first off, just where can our listeners find you and learn more and learn more about Blueboard? Um, Blueboard, you could you know find us online, uh, blueboard.com. Um, we've got some cool videos on our YouTube channel as well. We're, we're trying to tell more stories. Um, and then for me, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn, Kevin Yip. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter, uh, Kevin Yip without the vowels. So KVNYP. Whenever I hear, you know, I always ask that question towards the end of the show and naturally our get, you know, the guests will respond. You can find me. And in my head, I always hear it as Nelly saying, you can find me in St. Louis. Refine on dubs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, all right. So Kevin, who is one person who you want to give a shout out to? Could be a colleague, a mentor, a, a business partner, anybody. Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna shout out. I'm gonna shout out my co-founder Taylor. Um, you know him and I have known each other. We uh, we we uh, we met playing basketball in third grade, falling out of control, <laughs> um, and uh, we've been on this like awesome journey together over you know the last. I mean, since third grade, but you know at Blue Board at least you know the last uh, you know ten years now. Wow, uh, coming up on ten years you know, 2012. Um, yeah. So shout him out. Um, you know, I think, you know, for us, we've been, you know, you hear horror stories about best friends starting businesses together. Um, and it can be a nightmare. Um, you know, for us, you know, what's made it work is we have this deep trust. We communicate well. And I think where friends get, get it wrong is we know what each other's capable of and we hold each other accountable. We push each other. Right. And so I think kind of in that accountability of like, hey, you can do better. Plus, you know, almost pepping, you know, you know, kind of this pep talk of 
So let's do better. Let's, let's, let's do as much as we can do, you know, over the years, like that's, that's made a huge difference um, kind of in our partnership and, and in our friendship. And, uh, you know, we still go on experiences all the time together. Um, we're both big Niners fans. So we're actually both flying out to green Bay this weekend. This might date the podcast. Speaking of being up by seven or six <laughs> with two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the Cowboys game last week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's part of, you know, me staying mentally healthy is, you know, finding time to do the things you love with the people you, you love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go to our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on today's discussion. I'll go first and I'll toss it over to you. The topic today was going from no brand to known brand. And I think my biggest thing from our conversation is just the importance of like, your brand is nothing without a point of view. And you have got to become the, you know, essentially like the the mission, the missionary, the, the the mission for that point of view, and the ultimate steward and champion of it. Uh, if you want to grow your brand, Kevin, mm. top one or two lessons for the listeners. You know, the one that's you know kind of sticks out to me is you know at your early stage and kind of you know building on what you said is you need to be that that missionary and like kind of the sale has to be like about evangelism and you know shining from the rooftop but you also need to be cognizant about making sure you're really listening to the people you're talking to. Um, and you're really uncovering kind of like, you know, their motivations, the problems they have, um, how you think about their problems, what they think, what they do, what they want to do in their day to day um, in order to continue to iterate and move the needle to kind of that, you know, story market fit uh, early on. My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show, fill in the blank, Kevin. Entrepreneurship is blank. An emotional roller coaster. <laughs> that, is an, uh, that is the one phrase that uh, I, myself and Taylor have said over the, the last 10 years. And, um, you know, it's a whipsaw, right? And, you know, I think it's, um, you know, there's obviously like a lot of lows, but there's tons of highs. Mm. And I think, you know, what like balances out that emotional roller coaster is like, Hey, understanding, like, you know, the value you have, what mission you're trying to achieve and knowing that you're continuing to make progress on that. Right. And so like, while like the high, the lows might be incredibly bad, the highs might be feeling great. Like so long as that like roller coaster is like moving the mission forward. That you should be proud and and, and happy, um, but not satisfied where you are. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> he is Kevin Yip, co-founder and COO of Blueboard. Kevin, thank you so much for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Thanks, Rosh, for having me. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and leave a rating and review in your podcast app or do us one better. Hit the share button. Send this episode to one friend who you think needs to hear it. While you're on your way out, don't forget to follow Startup Hype Man on Instagram and LinkedIn at Startup Hype Man. And remember, you can also connect with today's guest as well. They left their contact info. They love hearing if what they shared helped you in any way. 
StartupHypeMan.com is the place to catch the full 17-season archive and learn all about how to pitch your startup. We'll see you next week, but until then, stay hyped. Raj Nation out.